Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. How's everybody feeling? Good? I tell you what, I'm excited about today. Do you guys know what today is? Anybody? It's the first Sunday of Advent. Look at you. All right, that's exactly what it is. This is the first Sunday of the season of Advent. And, and Advent, it's really cool. It's kind of like the four Sundays leading up to Christmas where kind of really across the world, churches kind of take time and look at the expectation, the reality, and the destiny of the people of God because of the coming of Jesus. And it's a beautiful time. And it all starts today. And how many of you know that Advent actually is derived from the Latin word coming? And so that's the name of our series, The Coming. And so we're going to jump in with churches all over the world over these next four weeks and talk about the power and the importance of the coming of Jesus. And this morning, it all starts with hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. It all starts with hope. Now, before we get too far in uh, to, to this word that I feel like God has given me for us as a community, I, I want to let you know just a little precursor that Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, all right? And, and that's, that's actually pretty fun, pretty cool. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to do our normal evening Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve, okay? So you sleep in on Christmas Eve, and you come to the Christmas Eve service in the evening. You see what we did there? Okay, so, so just kind of write that down, and it's going to be amazing, all right? It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be great for your whole family, your kids. We're going to have stuff for the kids to do. It's going to be short. It's going to be nice and sweet, all right? So don't worry about it, all right? We might even have cookies and lots of stuff, but we're going to get you in and out so that you can go spend time with your family. But we also just think it's good for us to be together on Christmas Eve. It is so good to gather together as a community. And for those of you guys who have family here that are students, bring your family. Um, I mean, it's going to be a rich time. I remember last year, we had only been at church for a couple of months, and we had a huge crowd at Christmas Eve, and it was amazingly cool. And, and we're just believing for only more uh, this coming Christmas, all right? Uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. So be there. I don't know what time it starts, but somebody that knows that stuff will tell you at some point. If you have a Bible, open it. Go to Luke 1. We're going to start in verse 26. When you get there, say amen. Two people are there. Okay. I'm really comfortable with waiting. Are you there? Yeah? Five people? All right. Here we go. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and had wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be in me and fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What I want to lean into this morning is the reality that all breakthrough starts with a promise. All breakthrough starts with a promise. Do you find it interesting that God would declare over his people all throughout the Bible these massively huge truths and promises of what's coming and the beginning of those stories start very small. H have you ever pondered the fact that the Savior of the world, Jesus, was going to be born as a baby? This is the rescue mission of heaven to right all that humans had done wrong, to restore humanity, to make a way for forgiveness of sin and restoration and relationship with God. And his plan, God's plan to restore humanity was to start with a baby. Not just a baby, a baby boy. Have you hung out with boys? Have you served in kid stuff? Okay, have you spent any time with eight-year-old boys? Okay, that was the plan of God. Okay, I can't have a conversation, I can't have a human interaction with my eight-year-old boys and with, without five minutes, something about going to the bathroom enters the conversation. Eight-year-old boys. I, I mean, my, I just took a picture of my son, my, my whole family, okay, and, and I was like, be funny. Some of you might have seen this on Instagram. Okay, I was like, all right, now be silly. You know how you do it. It's like do a smiling one and do a silly one. So all my kids like make faces, but my son, Tate, does this. Okay, now I'm like, Tate, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I'm pooping. Eight-year-old boys. Okay, the hope of humanity. The hope of the world was a little boy, surely there could have been a better way, right? I mean, surely, God, in your wisdom, in your infinite sovereignty, and in all of your glory could have made a better plan than the hope of the world starting off as a baby boy. It, it makes no sense unless you understand that God is a God of seasons, that God speaks and moves through seasons. When you, when, when you look at the 30,000 foot view and you're like, this makes no sense. Why? Why if what, needed for rest, what was needed from Jesus for the restoration of the world was the cross, why did he start in a manger? Why didn't he just appear on the scene, do three years of ministry, and then die and rise again, raise again? Why didn't he do that? Because 
God not only wanted us to have no excuse to, to be able to say that Jesus couldn't relate to us, he also was making a point about his character that he moves in seasons. That there were seasons needed to take place to fulfill the promise that God had for his people. That he's not a God of the instant, he's the God of seasons. Do you know there are trees that God created that literally cannot release their seed unless they're burned? Is that interesting? That life can't come from the tree unless they go through a season of burning. This, again, makes no sense unless you understand that all of creation points to who? God. And God is a God of what? Seasons. And and all throughout the Bible, you see this picture of these enormous promises, and then they initiate not breakthrough, but a season. Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. Look at all the sand on the beach. This is all of your descendants. This is your inheritance. This is what's coming. So I'm going to give you a son. This makes no sense unless we understand that God is a God of seasons. What does this have to do with hope? I think we lose hope because we begin to see God as a God of circumstances and not a God of seasons. Come on, somebody. I think we begin to shrink hope down to the idea of positive thinking and not unshakable believing. So we will look at our yard filled with weeds and say, I see no weeds. I hope that there's no weeds. There's no weeds in hope. My hope is for a weedless yard. My hope is for green grass. My hope is for a fruitful tree. And we're just like thinking positive. That's not hope. Hope is unshakable believing that what is promised will happen. It's not just the absent-minded declaration of what we hope to happen. How many of you know that if you believe for something, it pushes you into action? So if you're hoping for a weedless yard and you see weeds, maybe you need to pull out the weeds. That, That hope evokes within us an unwavering reality that there are promises that will come to pass. That who God says he is will be who he is. And this is huge for us because our circumstances will begin to shape our ability to believe when we we stop worshiping the God who is filled with hope that wants to fill us with hope. And we start to view him as a God of circumstances. That when we start viewing God as a God of circumstances and not a God of seasons, that's a toxic mindset. Because we will begin to view the nature of God based on our present experience. And how many of you know, you might just be in winter. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He can't. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. So if you're in a season where you feel like he's distant, he hasn't left you. It's just winter. There's there's a point to the seasons. I love Ecclesiastes 3. It's a long passage. We're going to go from 1 to 8. It says there's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the sun, a time to be born, a time to die, 
a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, heal. A third song from 19 a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. Anybody else remembering the bird song from 1975? Turn, turn, turn. With every season, turn, turn, turn. Right? That, do you know they ripped this scripture for that hit? Somebody do it again. Okay, because God is a God of seasons, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to, to, to scatter stones, and a time to gather them. Check this out. Let's skip down to verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? Toil there means hard work. What do workers gain from their hard work, their toil? Have you seen the burden God has laid on the human race? He has made everything beautiful, everybody say it with me, in its Time. Can we say it like we mean it? In its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there's nothing better for the people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find what? Satisfaction in their what? hard work, in their toil, this is the gift of God. Think about this. Everything has a season. There's times to reap and times to sow, times to build, times to tear down. Everything has a season. And and, and what, what the Bible is telling us here is that no matter what season you're in, we should be able to find satisfaction because eternity has been put in our hearts. The picture of what's coming is inside of us, so regardless of the circumstances of our season, we can find satisfaction in the toil, in the grind, in the reality of where we are. We can find satisfaction because there's been something planted in us that is a picture of what's to come in the next season. And so I think some of the times we, we think like, man, I'm in a grind season. I'm in a, t- I'm in a toiling season. I'm working hard right now. I'm not seeing much fruit. Everything about this is hard. God, where did you go? Have you asked this question? God, where'd you go? Like everything was great. And now like everything is not. Where did you go? Right? This happens when we stop seeing God as a God of seasons. Because if we understand that God is the God of seasons, then we also will begin to understand that every season has a purpose. So, so if, every, if God is the God of seasons, and that if winter's needed for spring, then when I'm in winter, I'm, I can long for spring. And I can say there is a present in my present. There's a present in my present. There's something for me here. There's a gift for me here. I might not like the season I'm in, but this season is not wasted because there's a present in my present. God's a God of seasons. It might just be winter. It might just be spring. It might just be summer. God hasn't changed, and we are able to live filled with hope when we understand our circumstances don't define this character. The seasons define his character, and he is faithful to do what he said he was going to do. 
that the seasons of life that we find ourselves in, although some of them are difficult, we can still have hope because hope is an unwavering expectation of what's to come. So if I'm convinced of the eternity that's in my heart, then I can look at no matter what is in front of me with hope because I'm going to have grace in the season and grace to overcome the season. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Somebody out there is going to get set free. I don't know who they are. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what is on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Think about the power of that. Outwardly, we're wasting away. The season we're in can be a season that feels like we're falling apart. But we don't fix our eyes on what's seen. We fix our eyes on what's unseen. Because God will never leave you or forsake you. So no, no, no matter what season you're in, your circumstances don't define him. And your circumstances don't define you. I think that we begin to believe our circumstances more than we believe the promise. We, we, we begin to see our reality as our ceiling versus our reality as an opportunity. This is just me. I, I'm, I just have a hard life. I'm always going to be single. No one's going to love me. My family's always going to be hard. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to have great business ideas that never pan out. I'm always going to fight for something that I, and we, we stop hoping. We stop hoping because we get lost in our circumstances. When we stop seeing God as a God of circumstances and start seeing him as a God of seasons, then we'll never lose heart. Because although outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly there's an eternal weight of glory that's being stirred up in us. Come on now, I'm about to preach. So if you, if you are in a tough season, God is doing something in you that is going to be bigger than if you wouldn't have walked through the season. So you don't need to not, you don't need to run through what's hard. You need to embrace what's hard because your season is a producing an eternal weight of glory. You want to know why? It's because he came. There's a present in your present because he came. Because he came, we can have hope in everything we're going through. We can have hope in a broken marriage because he came. We can have hope when we were laid off of our job last week because he came. We, we can have hope that we're going to have the resources that we need to pay our bills this month because he came. 
We're not wishful thinking. We have unshakable believing because we have a God of seasons. We have a God that makes a way where there is no way. We have a God that opens up heaven in our time of need. And although we might be in winter, that doesn't change that he's the God of breakthrough. Come on. Just because you need breakthrough doesn't mean that God has stopped giving breakthrough. You're just in a season. You're in a season of believing that's building in you an eternal weight of glory. That's birthing in you, check this out, confident hope. Hebrews 10.32 says, remember those early days after you'd received the light? Speaking of when they, when they started walking in light of their relationship with Jesus. When you endured in great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed and, and insulted and persecuted. And other times you stood side by side by those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had a better and lasting possession. And check out the next scripture. I love this. So do not throw away your confidence. Do you know what some verses translate that word to? Don't throw away your confident hope. Don't throw away your confident hope, your unshakable believing, because it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come again and will not delay. So you can have confident hope because he came. You can have confident hope because he's coming again. So let me just walk it through again. You're going through a tough time right now. You need to declare over your tough time, he came. You feel like you're in an impossible situation? You don't know how you're going to make it through next week? You need to declare over your circumstances, he came. You need to look at the impossibility in your life and declare, he came. You need to look at your marriage as hanging on by a string and declare over it, he came. Jesus came. And when he came, everything changed. When he came, he shifted the seasons. He said, I'm going to turn mourning into dancing. I'm going to turn sadness into joy. I'm going to turn bondage into freedom. He came. Come on, somebody. If you want it, stand up while I say it. He came. I want everybody to say this with me. He came. I want you to say it like you believe it. He so no matter what you're going through, say it again. He came. You might be depressed right now, but guess what? He came.